uh, uh, look at a reading from Matthew's Gospel and uh, some of um, the words of Jesus which are life to us. And uh, we sometimes, maybe it's just me, just forget what a privilege it is that we have the words of Jesus in our hands. We can read what he said and how he taught his disciples and how he teaches us. So uh, when we come to read the Bible, it's such a privilege to do that. So this is from chapter 11 of Matthew, reading from verse 25 uh, to, cha- uh, to verse 30. Verse 25 to verse 30. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's just pray. Lord, as we read your words to us tonight, may they sink into our beings, to the depths of our spirits, that they may be food for us, not just tonight, but whenever we reflect on these words. So give us ears to hear and understand, and as we just spend these few moments looking at this uh, part of your word, give us understanding, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus was brilliant at grabbing people's attention. When he spoke, people listened. And uh, he used um, uh, something called that we call now a non sequitur or sequitur. Anyone heard of these? Brilliant. Well done. Oh, two. It was new to me. It was actually a, a clue to a crossword um, thing. And, uh, and I was reading this passage at the time, and um, it was described by one commentator as a non-secretaire. And um, these are statements that don't logically follow, okay, or, or when you read them, make sense. And uh, Jesus used these lots of different times to capture people's attention, a way of telling a spiritual truth. Can you think of any others? There's one with a man walking around with a huge plank in his eye. And he's trying to pick out that little bit of dust in someone else's eye. That's, what, that's a non secretaire. Because it doesn't make sense. When have you ever seen a man with a plank in his eye? But it caught people's attention because people said, how absurd. How can he see to get someone's speck out of their eye when he's got this huge plank? That's hypocrisy, isn't it? Other ones, um, he called the Pharisees blind guides. Amazing, isn't it? 
blind guides. He said to them, you're blind guides. You strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Another one of these, you know. They drain out the gnat of their drink, but they're swallowing a camel. Um, he, he quite liked camels as well. Um, camels squeezing through the eye of a needle. You, yo, that's coming to you now, isn't it? It's coming to you. Can you think of any others? How about stones that cry out? The very stones will cry out. And here we have another one in our reading tonight. Jesus invites you and me to let him place a yoke upon our necks so that we might find rest. Okay? It doesn't make sense. It really doesn't make sense. And um, because whatever comes to your mind when you think of yoke, for me it's the sort of a, uh, a wooden beam uh, used by farmers to join together a pair of oxen so that they could pull a plow or a cart together. And often, it's certainly in the Bible, uh, the word yoke is used of hard labor and oppression. Um, there's a verse in uh, Exodus where um, as Moses, um, under God's guidance and help, um, wants to free the Israelites from the yoke of slavery, that they're under the Egyptians, the yoke of slavery. In Isaiah uh, chapter 9, um, we have these words that we sometimes um, read at Christmas. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation, increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. And here Isaiah actually is prophesying about Jesus. Isaiah, living 600 years before Jesus, is prophesying that Messiah will come, the Messiah will come and break the yoke of oppression. And Jesus the Messiah comes and he says, take my yoke upon you and you'll find rest. What does that mean? It's not a yoke of slavery. But the key to understanding what Jesus is saying here about that yoke is to understand who he is and what he has come to do. In the verses that we read together, the, the verses that uh, preceded uh, the, a little bit about the yoke, he is describing who he is and his relationship with the Father. Jesus' essential claim is that he has come to seek and save the lost because he is God in the flesh. He is the Savior of the world. He is the revelation of God's glory. He is the one and only God, the Son with God the Father and with God the Holy Spirit. And in a world that was lit by candles and lamps, as it were, Jesus comes as the light of the world, a searchlight who searches the hearts of men and women. 
And believe it or not, when we read that passage, we were reading one of the most outstanding claims that has ever been heard from the lips of human beings. I want to read it again. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. All things. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. The Father reveals the Son. And the Son reveals the Father. You would not know that you have a Father in heaven who loves you without Jesus. You might believe in a God, but you wouldn't know him as your heavenly Father who loves you. And the story that Jesus tells to describe the Father's love is that prodigal son story. When the Father goes running out to his lost son who's come back and embraces him. Jesus reveals the Father Elsewhere, he says, it reminds us of other passages. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. It's an astonishing claim. No one comes to the Father except through me, says Jesus. He says, if you've seen me, elsewhere, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father and I are one. And this is by way of revelation. You don't get that understanding of who Jesus is, who God is, with your cleverness. You can have as many degrees as you like, but you will not get there with your own cleverness. It's a revelation. And Jesus even says that even little children can receive it. And we know that. You know, we, we hear our little ones at church with amazing faith. And the prayers that they hear, every week Kate tells me of the prayers that our little ones are saying in their groups. They have an understanding of God's love. They haven't yet complicated it with all the stuff that we put around it. And they have a deep and simple trust. But it's come to them by revelation. They haven't learned it. They haven't read the latest commentaries. And all the theological books that are available, they just know. Because it's been revealed to them and that's what Jesus says. It is about revelation, not about cleverness. And this, in a way, is what makes Christianity at once so widely attractive and at the same time so widely opposed because it is unique. You can't put Jesus amongst any other religious leaders. He doesn't just blend into sort of... a you know, a group of other religious leaders. He stands alone because he is God in the flesh. He is the revelation of God in human form. Jesus, God, the Son. And Jesus makes it clear that there's no middle ground, no neutral zone where you can just say, well, I'm not sure yet whether I believe or not, but, you know, Jesus says, if you're you're not for me, you're against me. Because if you're not believing in Jesus, who are you believing in? Who are you trusting in if you're not trusting in Jesus? It's the revelation and the rescue that go together. If you refuse the revelation, how can you be rescued? So Jesus, after making this amazing claim to be the revelation of God the Father, issues the most warm and wonderful invitation. 
to all who would trust in him, to all who would recognize him, and all who would recognize their need of him, he says, come, come to me. Note that Jesus doesn't say, listen guys, go to God. He says, come to me, come to me. Come to me because I have come for you. And when you come to me, you come to God. And that simple word, come, that Jesus uses reveals the very heart of God. We are invited. That word come just tells us we're invited. God says to us, come. He doesn't say, you search and search and search, and if you can find me, I'll reveal myself to you. He says, come, come. There's access. There's a welcome. And it's love. Who does he say come to? He says, come to all who are weary and burdened. The message version has a, has a wonderful phraseology of these verses. He doesn't use the word yoke, but uh, Eugene Peterson says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, says Jesus. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. For I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. He has a way of putting into words, doesn't he? And those words of Jesus that we read don't sound religious. Because religious words would say, well, if you're good enough, if you've done enough, then maybe I'll accept you. Jesus just says, come. If you're weary and you're burdened, and the context that he's speaking into is the burdens that the Pharisees, the religious leaders, have put on people. You can't get to God unless you're good enough. You're sinful. And Jesus comes and he says, you just come to me if you're weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Notice he uses his, himself, I will give you rest. Not only that, but as Eugene Peterson says, you'll recover your life. When we come to know Jesus, we retrieve and we receive back the life that we were always intended to have. I was not intended to be lost and without hope. I was intended to be a child of the living God and he has come to rescue me. And when I receive that revelation and respond to it, I get the life that I was always supposed to have. Jesus talks about finding peace. Not an absence of difficulty because we know that in life there will be ups and downs and difficulties that we all go through, mistakes that we make. But it's that peace of being right with God that is not dependent on us. See, there is a deep peace that comes when you know that, that God loves you, not dependent on what you do. Because that's all about earning it. I meet lots of people who are Christians who know that they've received salvation by grace, but they live as though they have to earn it. Except living in the light of the grace that Jesus offers us. 
This is about finding peace with God. It's a deeper rest which only Jesus can give. We cannot buy it, earn it. We can only receive it in faith from Jesus. And then Jesus uses this phrase about take my yoke upon you and learn from me. We are to be yoked to Jesus, but it's not a burden. Because he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's not going to put anything heavy or ill-fitting on us. See, religion is about fear and guilt. And Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light because you will be set free. I met someone just this past week who was just desperate to find freedom. And I was able to say, it's Jesus that sets us free. He sets us free on the inside. Now, Jesus, you know, was a carpenter, so we don't know for sure how many yokes he'd actually made, you know, real ones. But I guess he would have made yokes, or he would have seen his father make yokes. But Jesus' yoke is easy because his burden is light. It is not set there to crush us. We are yoked to him in a yoke of grace and love. And he takes the weight. Learn from me. Have you ever been instructed by someone who is impatient? It's really hard, isn't it? To learn from someone who's saying, oh, come on, get it. Why can't you get it? But I don't know. You know, horrors of my maths lesson come flooding back to me when I was a child. Can't you see it? Why can't you see it? I can't see it. We don't learn from instructors that are impatient. Because we just feel guilty and stupid. And Jesus isn't like that. His patience never runs out. The songs that Caris chose were just brilliant for tonight. His love is, but they never run out. He never gets intolerant with us. And even when we stumble and fall, he doesn't say, well, that's it. He is the one who picks us up again. So when we're yoked to Jesus, he transforms that image from that Old Testament of slavery and oppression And actually being yoked to Jesus is a joy because he leads us and he takes the weight. But we are with him and he is with us every step of the way. And he has done everything necessary for us to find peace and life and hope. The only time that yoke will become difficult is when we want to go our own way and we pull against it. So if we've yoked ourselves to Jesus and we're pulling again, it will hurt a little bit, but in a good way so that we come back to Jesus. But it's our choice to be yoked to Jesus or not. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. My yoke is easy and my burden 
is light. Our response is to say, yes, Jesus. I want to be yoked to you. I want to walk with you. I want to learn to do life with you. And if we are yoked to him, we will go right through life and into eternity with Jesus. So the invitation still stands to be yoked to Jesus. And when we're yoked to Jesus, we will do things that we never thought we could. Because in his strength and power, we will see rough ground plowed up. Jesus will go on in a little bit to talk about the parable of the sower. When we're yoked to him, amazing things can happen. So come, says Jesus, the invitation still stands. And even tonight, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and you will find rest for your soul. And here, in a minute or two, we're going to respond to another invitation that Jesus gives us. When we remember that simple meal that he shared with his disciples in the midst of the Passover, and he said, do this in remembrance of me. We're going to share this together, and the invitation is Jesus's, come to me. So let's pray together. Karis, would you come back? Father God, we thank you for your words to us tonight. Father, thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus. Thank you that these words that we've read tonight can be life to us. And I pray, Lord, that if anyone's here, come tonight, weary or burdened, pray that you would just come and give them rest. That as we respond to your invitation to be yoked to you, that we will gladly say yes. Who else would, be, would we want to be yoked to? Who else would we trust but you? You have the words of eternal life. And we believe and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. We thank you for that revelation that we didn't have to become clever enough to receive, but you have given that revelation that we might be your children. And as we come to share in this simple meal, we remember again the cost, the price that you paid to give us that freedom, that peace. And when you died on the cross, for each one of us. So we come as we began our service with hearts filled with thankfulness to the cross once again. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing a song as